few things I wanted to share this morning. Let's see if I can get to them. But one is I just, I feel like I have a mandate this morning. I just want to encourage you. And I, I want to ask the Lord to help me to lead you to be encouraged in the Lord. Because he's, he's that good that he took care of everything, everything, everything. It's not like any of this surprises him. It's not like any of the stuff is just, whew, we're going to have to up our game. He upped his game. In fact, he couldn't up it anymore. He gave everything for us for such a time as this. For the people of God to be empowered, to shine like He shines, because it's His light that's inside of us. So I just, I just want to encourage you, these are incredible times to be living in. They are not times to be discouraged. They are not times to get down. They are not times to get ignorant or passive or allow other words to take preeminence over the Word of God but to allow Him and His Word and His voice. And I do believe the only way that we can walk and live in that is to have times like this morning. That's why He says, do not forsake the gathering together. Because it's in these times. Friends, out there is so much sewerage. If you don't have these times, some of it sticks. But in these times, friends, what about these times? We move out of the flesh. We move into the spirit. Yes, we can do that every single day, but it's sometimes it's so hard. We, we, we just, that's why we need one another. Because one another, just singing and speaking and just communing with him in the spirit, enables my, my spirit man to just experience all that he wants because he doesn't want me to live in that lowly place of the flesh of trying to do things of putting my hand up for help he wants me to put my hands up to say take me higher deeper like we were singing this morning it wasn't that he needs to reach down to help us he needs to just let us soar with him. Ooh. You know, in Matthew nineteen twenty six, it says something so powerful. It says, all things are possible through the name of Jesus. All things are possible. We just could meditate on that all morning. All things are possible through the name of Jesus. So everything that I'm facing this morning, everything that I'm journeying, all the tough things, all the stuff, all things are possible. I'd rather concentrate on that and lose myself in that, in that understanding, and begin to walk in that understanding. That's why God doesn't want us to get distracted, because all things are possible in Jesus. No matter what you're facing, Matthew, uh, Matthew, Philippians 2 verse 9 and 10 says, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. This is not by accident. This is on purpose. He has bestowed, He has exalted Him to this place and bestowed on Him the name that is above every single other name. And then it 
I love this, and it says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee, anybody who's got a knee has to bow to the name of Jesus. In this life, in the life to come, or under the earth, in the earth, or above the earth, they all bow to the name of Jesus. And that's what God wants us to meditate on and to live and breathe and to have our being in. Because He is the living Word. You see, there are three aspects that we need to meditate on. One is the life of Jesus and all that He He did, the character and the nature of God. The Bible so wonderfully gives us a picture into all of that because that is who He wants us to be like Himself. Then there's also the living and active Word, the written Word of God, which is so vital. It's not just words on paper, but it is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And then there is the Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, every day I'm captivated by who He is, by just the nature, the character, the beauty of who God is. And this morning we could just get captivated by that. But I'm also captivated by the Word, the written Word, the living Word, the Word of God. Everything that I see in there captures my life. And then I'm also captivated as I yield to Him, as I kneel before Him, as I'm so lost in His presence by the words that He whispers and that He speaks to me in the quiet and secret place. See, when that happens and we live in that realm, I can never, ever have my courage just find discourage when you're in that place because you're invincible. I, I always, when I was sharing at the Bible study two weeks ago, just about when Jesus came, walked into Paul's room and stood next to his bed, just love that. Keep just saying, thank you, Lord. There's no favorites in heaven. Come on, just come stand next to my bed. Just come stand here and then just whisper to me and say, son, I'm going to take you here. And then I wake up in the morning and go, I am invincible because he told me I am going there. See, that was Paul. Hey, find this my courage. I am courageous because I cannot be discouraged. I'm never going to get to it. I preach, Lord, help me. In Matthew 24, uh, 12, interesting one. Uh, it's a verse that we all kind of skip normally, get challenged by Matthew 24. He's just sharing about the end times, the stuff, the signs, the wonders, things that are going to happen in the end times. And then he says this, depending on your translation, uh, because of the iniquities of many or because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And uh, I think often, and I have high respect for all the translators of the Bible, but I think at times, whatever we wrestle with words and, and we, we battle to, to say something because it's kind of it wrestles in our heart. Um, let me just say this. Um, when it says the love of many, if you read and study up that word many, it's polus, P-O-L-U-S, polus. And polus is the Greek word for most, largely is actually a good translation. 
So because the iniquities of many or lawlessness will increase, the love of most or the love of largely will grow cold. You see, that's why when Jesus gives us His Word, it's supposed to captivate our hearts and it challenges us. Why? Not so we get intimidated, so that we can actually be prepared. So we're not ignorant that lawlessness is on the increase and that iniquities of many is on the increase. And we've got to be aware in our lives that as iniquities and as lawlessness begins, begins to increase, what is the natural tendency in the fleshly realm to happen? First of all, is just to say, God, where are you? And why are you allowing this? And why is this all happening? Those guys are, are, are just doing a mess. They're just ripping me off. They just, they've done this. They've done that. How many know that as you watch lawlessness, so it creeps into your own heart? Well, if they can do it, I can do it. I was just uh, sharing um, the other day with family in the car. Um, we were at, a, a robot had gone out. And... Um, the one car just came and it just kind of potentially slowed down and it just went straight through. And I said, it's not that that's the problem. It's the next one and the next one and the next one. And ultimately, that's the driver that goes straight through and hits somebody. You don't get into this shape with one meal. It's the subtlety of the enemy as lawlessness begins to increase. Stuff begins to happen in our lives. We've got to be alert. We've got to be aware of these things. They will come, and they will try to, and that word love there is agape, is a heart. It will try to captivate your heart. Your heart will start to go cold. And it's a great time to be on fire. Amen? Have the fire of God. So in these times, we need to be a people that encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen? And the number one way that you do that is in His Word. And all that I said to you in Jesus. And when you go into His Word, what I do love is every time you go into His Word, um, you can go to any major Bible character and you can study their life. And every single one of them have gone through incredible trials, challenges, and uh, God enabled them to overcome and to come through those challenges, and they speak to us. In fact, if you went to, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, let me just quickly go there, I'll turn there, you don't have to, 1 Corinthians 10, and 1 Corinthians 10, comes to mind, uh, Verse, uh, I don't know, 1 Corinthians 10, I don't know, let me have a look here. You'll see from a verse about um, 6 or 7, he's just, well, he's actually talking in the whole of 1 Corinthians 10 about the things that the Israelites did in the, in the desert and all the stuff that they challenged God on. Oh, verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example. But they, were, but they were written down for our instruction. <laughs> See, they were, they were an example, but they were written down for our instruction. 
so we can learn and we can study the Word of God and find out it instructs us and helps us how uh, they dealt with things and how they overcame uh, things. And uh, it's all there for our benefit. So I just want to quickly touch on um, 1 Samuel 30. Let me quickly touch on 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30, for those of you who don't know what it's all about, it's about David and Ziklag. You should, it should start ringing bells. Um, and uh, it's just about, the, about um, just David encountering a situation. And, and uh, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's wanting me to share it. I don't know if there's somebody in the room or just many in the room that are going through challenging or difficult times where they kind of maybe are thinking, Lord, this is, I don't know if you, you understand just how difficult or how challenging this, this is. Um, I always get uh, encouraged by David when I go and study the life of David because um, it's there for my instruction. And um, let me tell you a little bit about David. Let me tell you that uh, David, um, according to most historians and theologians, will tell you that he was anointed king at about 16 or 17. And he was made king and crowned king when he was 30. For 13 or 14 years, he walked a journey, knowing that he was a king. Yet always on the run, always having to hide, always getting lambasted. When he was fleeing away from Saul, Saul gave his wife away to another man. You might be having a challenge with your father-in-law, but I promise you, I guarantee your father-in-law has not given your wife away. He gave David's wife, Michal, away to another man. Woo! There's a beautiful uh, story as well in 1 Samuel 21, I think it's around 21, where David is uh, really, he's intimidated so much by the, by the kings that were, um, and particularly Abimelech, and he pretends to be mad. Have you ever read that? He starts foaming at the mouth. He starts scribbling on the, on the gates. They thought, this guy's nutty. You see, what the, in, in those days, the, the challenge was um, they were worried that if you killed a nutty person, that spirit came on you. So David pretended to be nutty, and the king was petrified. And he says, get out of my presence. I'm, you know, I don't want you here. But he pretended to be that. But do you know, I mean, this is just a, for free, very quickly. Um, did you know that um, if you go to, um, and my mom actually this morning said God had given her this psalm. But if you went to Psalm 34, You go to Psalm 34. This is a psalm David wrote in the midst of that moment. I won't read the whole psalm. Let me read some of it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name forever. Woo. You want to read that psalm and go, woo, powerful. That's right in the midst, 
when he's acting crazy and nutty. I often have some kind of witnesses to me at times when I'm acting crazy and nutty. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a heart. When the Bible says David had a heart after God, it's, a, it's, it's instructing me. This is a heart, church. This is a heart right now that the church needs. It's a heart in the midst of trials and difficulties. I'm an encourage myself. Amen. So if, you, if you're still there and you haven't lost it, 1 Samuel 30, you'll see 1 Samuel 30, David, is, uh, he's gone off to um, help the Philistines against uh, Israel, um, and we're not sure um, whether he actually was going to help them. Um, we, we probably don't think he was. We think he was undercover. He was going to um, join the Israelites and attack, attack the Philistines, but the Philistines were a little bit clever. Um, the kings, they said, no, they don't want him. You must go back. Um, so he heads back to um, Ziklag, to where he was staying. Um, and uh, he had actually um, been a tremendous benefit and blessing to Ziklag. He had actually conquered their enemies in that town. Um, but David and his men had set up, set up shop there. And when he came back, the Amalekites, the naughty Amalekites, who were always looking to, to bite um, knew that he had gone away and all the soldiers had gone to for this big battle. So because they knew that, that they were away, they attacked Ziklag and they burnt it to the ground. And they took all of David, and David had two wives, all of his wives. I don't encourage you to have two wives. I'm just, David had two wives. And, uh, and all of his, his soldiers' wives and all of his kids, all their, the whole family, all the goods and everything, they took everything. So he came back to total destruction. And if you read in, in, in 1 Samuel 30, it says, Now when David and his mighty men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burnt it with fire and taken captive the women of all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. How many of you have wept till you've got no more strength to weep? You have wept and you have wept and you have wept and you wept. You've lost everything. Nothing left and you just weep and weep and weep and now you're finished. David's two wives also had been taken captive. I, I always love the Bible. It just lets us know there. It's not as if David was untouched. He experienced the same thing. Lost his wives. Uh, David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, or Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. Sure, how's that? He was greatly distressed because the people were wanting to kill him, wanting to stone him. And... Uh, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Have you got a tissue? David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Wow. In the midst of all of that, David strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Well, it says, David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Abimelech, well, Ahimelech, also Abimelech, same 
same guy, bring me a him, a him and a bim. Um, a him had a bim. Um, <laughs> a himelech and a bimelech. He said, bring me the ephod. The ephod was what the priests used to inquire of the Lord. And to... So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord. And it's very beautiful here because David inquires of the Lord. And he asks him, um, he's encouraging himself in the Lord. As he encouraged himself in the Lord, he went to the Lord and inquired of the Lord. We, we, we need to be a people that encourage ourselves in the Lord. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? We inquire of the Lord. We go to the Lord. How do we go to the Lord? We go to His Word. We start to read His Word. We start to uh, nourish ourselves in His presence, in His living Word, and allow it now to, to, um, to lead us and to direct us and to show us. And God begins to speak to him, and he says, must I go after these guys? And God says, yeah, go after them. I've given them into your hands. Then David goes after them and uh, cap captures everything all back, um, not just everything that they lost, but all the spoils. Just love that. He captures all the spoils, brings it back. And then let me, let me just encourage you with the, 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 the end of the story. The end of the story is that, and I always wonder if David hadn't encouraged himself and hadn't gone after them, what would have happened? But David's gone through 13 or 14 years of all this turmoil and all the struggles and the challenges of being hunted down. And let me also just say this very quickly. In those days, what, how a king lost his place is another person came and killed the king. That's how they were dethroned in those days. They were one king dethroned another king by killing the other king and by taking his throne. David, through all this time, refuses to take the throne by his own hand or by his own authority. In the midst of all of that, he will not touch Saul, the anointed one. God, you have to do this thing. And through all this time, he's getting whacked, he's getting beaten, sometimes for his own doing things that he did, sometimes for, not for anything of his own fault. But he goes through all this whole process, and now uh, he's take, his wives are taken, he's taken it's all, the place is burnt down, everything that he owns, and he still encourages himself in the Lord. And then he goes after them, and he gets back all of this, and I love it. He gets back all the stuff and all the spoils. And if you read that story, some of the guys were so tired, they were left to just look after some of the, the, their things, while the rest went into battle, and they won all the spoils. And David actually sets up a precedent right here, where he says, those that fought in the battle and those that stayed at home and behind, they will get exactly the same share. When all the guys that went in and fought said, listen, hey, we fought, we want all the share. Those guys didn't. just makes me think of the church and the, and the, and the, and the journey. Some people are, are in the closet praying and, 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 and looking after home base, and some people are out there fighting, but you get the same spoils because your heart is the same. See, it's about a heart thing here. It's about a surrendering heart to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying some guys, they, they, they always just stay at home. You should all have a heart to go. That's what Jesus said, go. Um, so and, and, and it's Jerusalem as well, so you've no excuse. Listen, I haven't got my passport ready. You know, well, you don't need a passport to cross the road or cross the corridor in your office. So here what I am saying, what I am saying is that, and what I, what I love is that David encouraged himself, and they win this mighty battle, and then right after this, guess what happens? Saul dies, and he's made king right after this. You could almost say hours. 
Days later, he's made king. Let's carry on reading. It's 2 Samuel, I think it's verse, uh, chapter 2. We'll tell you. David gets and Saul. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, when I was meditating on this and just felt the Lord wanted me to just encourage you and say, we've got to get into the Word. We've got to just uh, abide in the Word. Abide in the Word. Abide in Jesus. You know, nothing is impossible. That's what I meditate on. That's what I live by. I'm not living by all of this because God wants to exalt His people. There's a great time to be alive right now. Uh, those that are, 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 are inquiring and, and spending time with the Lord in His presence, um, those that are, are living in, in Him, um, He's about to, to exalt um, and, uh, and so we all want to be those, those people right now. Um, and while I was uh, meditating on this, I was just reminded of, of, um, of the story of, of Peter, funny enough, when he stepped out of the boat. And when Peter stepped out of the boat, he began to walk on water, right? And he's looking at Jesus, he's walking on water. Then he, he turned and he, and he started looking at the, the, the wind and the waves, and then he started to sink. Now, how many of us know right now whether the wind is blowing, or whether it's the most calmest thing, has got nothing to do with whether you can walk on water. Right? Because if, if you dif- differ, we've got a great little pool here, um, and there's no wind. Um, that, that was irrelevant to him walking on the water. So what was the wind and the waves there for? The wind and the waves were there for to distract him off of Jesus and to put his eyes on what? The natural. That's the key right now, church. The key right now is that the enemy is trying to get us to take our eyes off of him and to put our eyes on the natural. But we are to live in the Word of God, in the Spirit. My words are spirit and life, John 6, 63. Jesus' words are spirit to us. We've got to stay in the Spirit. There's a, there's a beautiful, also, Old Testament uh, thing. Let me just quickly, Jeremiah. If you go to Jeremiah, if you're wanting to, sometimes it's good to just skip through the Bible. It just helps reach some of those pages that are still glued together that you haven't got to. That's <laughs> just this naughty smile. The truth is, sometimes I do have pages that I kind of go, wow, this Bible hasn't got to those ones. And then I get very excited because it's like a hidden treasure. Ooh. Until your Bible is no longer new, like, and all just... Listen to this. In, in, in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, it says, um, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who, wa- who walks... It's not a man who walks. To direct his steps. I just love that. I know, O Lord, Jeremiah, that the way of man is not in himself. Oh, how I wish that was on every president's speech, every ruler, every leader. I know, Jeremiah, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. 
It is not in us, friends. It is in Him. That's why if we could just yield and let go of us and put ourselves totally in Him. And David knew that. He wept until he could weep no more because in the natural, he had, it is off, he had lost everything. But the, his way is not in himself. Same as he could, there was a, I love, I love this. God is so practical. Um, he has this king and he's intimidated. This king wants to kill him, whatever, so he pretends to be, blah, blah, blah. You know, it freaks us out because we think it's in ourselves, whatever, you know. Whew, I'm the man for the hour. I'll just tell the king, be gone in Jesus' name. And no, the king comes in. Maybe David's head would have been chopped off if he was arrogant. But he wasn't arrogant. He pretended to be what he is. And um, the king goes, this guy's nuts. See, God's in. He understands. He knows us, right? Because our way is not in ourselves. In, in and of myself, I'm an idiot, Right? Honestly, it's like, I know there's even people here, but it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not an idiot and whatever. Yeah, I, the reality is, friends, <laughs> he takes the foolish things, foolish things to confound the wise. It's, it's not about your intelligence. And I'm not against academics, and I'm not against intelligence. I'm just saying it's not in your intelligence. Let God breathe on your intelligence. If God's not breathing on your intelligence, your intelligence is just academic, and all you're going to do is split hairs of your, with your knowledge. I'm not going to get to... How are we doing? Oh, boy. Okay. Three, three minutes. Three minutes. No, I'm not going to get there. No. I was going to say, okay, the title of my preach now this morning. <laughs> okay, well, we won't get to the second one. We'll just stick to the first one. Maybe I'll do the second one in the second service. And Anyway. So, just one of the things that I felt the Lord was impressing on my heart is just to encourage us and also to try and train us or teach us to encourage ourselves in this time in the Lord. And the way we do that is with the Word of God. As I preached last week and preach now, it's when we go to the Word, we go to who we are in Him. See, that tells us now. This tells me. And I go, and you, that's why the whole Word is there for us. It's not just New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, those stories. They're there to instruct me and to help me. I'm encouraged when I look at some of these great men and women who who, who fought battles, who went through stuff, because otherwise the enemy tries to lie to me and go, no one understands me. They don't understand what I'm going through and the difficulties. And God says, I do. I know, I know every single one of them. You know, in, in, one, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 again, if that same chapter, why have I got 1 Corinthians 10 on my... Anyway. Don't you just love, I think it's verse 13, I was reading it now. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. I just love that. I wish there was like, like in your Bible, there was just like normal lines and then neon. It's like almost, no temptation has overtaken you that isn't common to man. You know, that's normal. God is faithful. God is faithful. It's like temptation, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Love that. 
And we often see our religious minds all go, ooh, that's the ooh, sins. No, no. No, no, it's not just those kind of sins. It's everything in life. The temptation to be discouraged. The temptation to fear. The temptation to doubt. The temptation to give up. The temptation to blame God. The temptation to, to get intimidated by the enemy. But he's already taking care of every single situation that you have to face. Because every single one of us will be tempted. That didn't go down well, but uh, every single one of us will be tempted. If you're not worth tempting, you're not worth much. Because you don't know who you are, maybe, but the devil knows who you are. And he knows if I get a cracker in the right place, my life is going to cause some damage <laughs> in his little dying and fading imaginary world. See, you and I are very, very powerful, very powerful people. Do you know the same power that kicked the devil and a third of the angels out of heaven dwells inside of you? See, it's a better way to say it. We kind of all go, same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. The same power that kicked the, the devil and a third of the angels out of heaven dwells inside of you. Why are you scared of the devil or, the, or his demonic realm? Because the same power that kicked his butt is inside of every single one of us right now to live and to move and to have our being in Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is not in our own strength, church. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Go to His Word. It's in Him. Everything is in here that will encourage us. When I face a circumstance or situation, I run to the Lord. I find out He encourages me. He tells me how to deal with every single circumstance. That's what God is trying to tell us today. We don't have to rely on every single other person. We just go to the Word. And you might go, yeah, but it's been years and I haven't gone to the Word. Then I'm, I'm encouraging you to go to the living Word. Not the letter that kills because the letter that kills, friends, is wanting you to do something. It's saying if you will act, if you will do this, that, and the other. But the Spirit is wanting you to yield to someone. You come into His presence and you yield to Him. Oh, that's why we cease from rest. It's Hebrews 4.10. Every single one of our, our days of our life now is a Sabbath. Because I yield to Him, so I'm trusting Him. And He just speaks to me. And when He speaks to me, then He can divinely enable me to do whatever I need to do. Amen. So be encouraged. Be stirred up this morning. Shall we stand? I, hope, I really do believe by the Spirit somebody needed to hear that and be encouraged and be strengthened in the Lord. Maybe the second group need to hear 
another part, but <laughs> but I just I, I I do just with the tenderness that happened this morning in Jesus, I do want to to encourage every single one of one of us that He is inviting us into something so beautiful and so amazing. But we've got to let go of ourselves. It's it's, and when I say ourselves, it's it's of feeling guilty or condemnation or shame or. Or, or trying to find something that I need to do or ha- have to act or to get myself back to that place in God. or It's just, it's deep calling to deep. It's spirit calling to spirit. So Lord, I just pray of every single one of us here in this morning's meeting. I know these, every single person was handpicked to come to this time. Because you have a divine appointment with them, Lord God, to minister to them in worship, to minister to them uh, through the Word, um, just to encounter every one of our hearts, because you don't want us to leave the same. And I know, Lord God, that you understand and that you have compassion on every single one of our situations and what we're actually in at the moment or challenged by. But Lord, you don't want us to just sit there and stay the same. You're challenging us, encouraging us this morning that the way out is up. Look up. The way out, Lord God, is to yield and to focus and to get our attention back on you, Jesus, and back on your word. Can I, can I honestly say this morning, just an encouragement to every single one of us. Church, prayer is not a substitute for knowing the Word. See, when we pray, when we believe the Word and then we pray the Word in belief, the Bible says it moves mountains. So, Father, I'm just praying that we would have a new, a new passion and love for the Word. Not just to sit there and just like read the word, but uh, for the for the word, for your words, to sit in your presence, Lord God, to to bask in your in in who you are, and to uh, just wait for you to to cause your word to be living and active, and uh, and Lord, help us, Father, that in every single circumstance and situation that we face in this next week, that we'll be able to speak the word, speak the word. When Jesus was tempted in 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 the in the wilderness. He always just, how did he respond? The Word, the Word, the Word. Not just letters for Jesus. It was a relationship. It was living. It was active. It was the Word, the Word. So, Father, I just thank you right now, Lord God, that the answer to every single solution, Lord God, is not prayer, although I believe in prayer. The answer to every single solution is to rise up in faith and declare the Word, to speak the Word. Because the word does not return void, but it will accomplish that which it was purposed for. So, Lord, thank you that we rise up this morning. I want to declare the word over every single person this morning. I want to thank you, Lord God, that they are children of yours, divinely set apart for such a time as this, filled with the spirit of life, filled with the resurrection power of God, filled with Holy Spirit, holy and blameless and above reproach. They are righteous and true before you, Lord God. 
And it's in the spirit of man right now, in, the, in our spirits, Lord God, that you have equipped us and enabled us for every single thing to rise up and to live victorious because you always lead us in triumph. You are never, ever a defeated one. You are always a triumphant one. And so thank you, Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, that I speak triumph over every single person. I speak life and I speak victory over every single circumstance that every person is facing right now in the name of Jesus because nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, Father, for the possibilities that just begin to break open over people's lives as they walk into a newness of life, a newness of life. Not the same, not the same, not the old, but the new has come. They step into the newness of life. Thank you, Father, that you transform our discouragement into courage. Thank you, Lord God, that you lift us up this morning and place us in heavenly places, seated with you in Christ Jesus, to be ones who are more than conquerors, to ones who are the head and not the tail, who are above and not beneath. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. May it come alive. May your word take flesh in our hearts and in our lives in this week, Lord God. And may we see breakthroughs, supernatural breakthroughs, as we look to your word, as we encourage ourselves in your word, and we trust your word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen.